If you have a Bible this morning, turn with me uh, to the book of Acts. Let's go to chapter uh, 12. We want to look at verses 1 through 12 this morning. We want to look at part 1. King Herod persecutes the church. Again, the church is on the move. From the book of Acts chapter 2, it's called Pentecost. Uh, when the Holy Spirit fell upon uh, the 120 in the upper room, the church has never been the same. We know in church history, uh, the gospel and the Holy Spirit is not just exclusive to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. They have received the grace of God. It began back in Acts chapter 10 as we studied. The ministry of Peter and Cornelius, a very difficult time to bring these two together. Cornelius was a Roman captain of the Italian band. He was called a centurion. He was in charge of a hundred men. In Acts chapter 10, it said that he was a God-fearing man. One who the Lord saw his prayer life and the Lord saw his almsgiving uh, to the poor. Uh, Peter met this man. At his own home there in Caesarea, uh, the gospel was presented. Uh, salvation uh, came to this Gentile home and those that were in it. And not only salvation, but then the Holy Spirit fell, was poured out upon the Gentiles. The church now includes Jew and Gentile. But it's not without persecution. And that's what we're going to speak about in the next couple of weeks. King Herod persecuted the church. Verse 1 says, Herod stretched his hand out to harass the church. Important to know, church, that uh, we live in dangerous times. Paul the Apostle speaks about, in the last days, we will see perilous times. We will see hard times. We will see evil times. And we're seeing it today. Even us in the Western culture, but yet we understand what's taking place in third world countries right now. There is persecution uh, to the point of death. And so here's Herod now. Interesting character. We're going to speak about him in verse 1. We begin here in Acts chapter 12. Look at verse 1. Now about that time, speaking about church history, Herod the king uh, stretched out his hand to harass uh, some uh, from the church. The Herod dynasty is an interesting uh, family to follow. It goes back uh, to Herod the Great. He was installed as king in Judea in 47 BC. They were Edomites, very interesting, which were descendants of Esau. And so that made them half Jew. Here in Acts chapter 12, uh, this is Herod Agrippa I, the grandson of Herod the Great who ruled in the days of Jesus' birth, and we pick his story up from Matthew chapter 2 to Matthew chapter 16. Now, Herod Agrippa I was also the nephew of Herod Antipas, who had a role in the trial of Jesus. You pick that up in Luke chapter 23. As I said, there's quite a few Herods, and you have to keep track of them. But persecution at this time was very politically popular. It sounds like today, doesn't it? It pleased, uh, Herod had to please the people and it pleased the citizens of Judea. Those that did not like Christianity, political figures were uh, ready then to persecute the Christians. I need to ask the question, what about today? 
Political correctness seems to be the agenda today in the 21st century. If you don't believe me, all you have to do is look around. It's going to get to the point where uh, we're going to be threatened here at the chapel. It's going to be a time and a place where if we don't agree on same-sex marriage, uh, pastors are going to start going to jail. You're going to see this unless the Lord comes. And so this is why we need to pray. I don't believe we need to fight physically, but we need to pray. We need to be ready. There's power in prayer, and that's what you're going to see uh, in this teaching of today and this teaching next week. Look at verse 2 now. This is Herod's ministry. Uh, he ordered. Then he killed James, uh, the brother of John, with the sword. And so we go back to Acts chapter 7. We know that Stephen was the first martyr of the early church. He was the first deacon of the church. There were chosen seven. Remember, he was the first one. He was a servant of the Lord. And now we see uh, another martyr. His name is James, the brother of John. Killed by the sword. Interesting. This is the first of the 12 apostles uh, to be martyred. Now, some of you might think of Judas Iscariot. He was not a martyr, but he had committed suicide after the 30 pieces of silver. Something interesting uh, concerning history. Death by sword was also a Jewish nature. And death by sword means beheading. That's what we see uh, in the Middle East today. According to the Talmud, it says, if you preach false religion, such as Christianity to them, and you draw others to Christianity, such as Peter was doing, such as James was doing, so the sword came forth. And they would literally behead you. Interesting. That's what ISIS is all about uh, today. And so... John and James were the sons of Zebedee. We find that in Mark chapter 3, verse 17. They were called the sons of thunder. Interesting. Peter and Andrew were brothers. And these were also fishermen. We find their story in John chapter 1, verses 40 uh, through 42. And Jesus called these brothers. Uh, they were fishermen at the Sea of Galilee. Come and follow me now. I'll make you a fishers of men. Here's James now, martyrdom. If you study the 12 apostles, uh, they were all martyred but one. That was John the Beloved, the one that wrote the book of Revelation. He also wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and he wrote the Gospel of John. But we know that God wasn't finished with him. And so they did place him uh, in a cauldron of boiling water, but he would not die. Because it was not his time. God had a plan. And so they assumed at this time that John was deranged. That he was crazy. And so they sent him to the island of Patmos. There at the salt mines. And there is where he wrote the book of Revelation. John died an old man. And so God has a plan for everyone. Peter eventually is going to be crucified. Remember? Upside down. And so here's James now. We're getting an insight of the Herodian ministry at this time. Look at verse 3. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, this is Herod the king. He saw that it pleased the Jews, the killing of James. Imagine that. He proceeded further now uh, to seize Peter. Peter was considered the pillar of the church at this time. Now, it was during the days of unleavened bread or the days of Passover. Interesting that they would arrest uh, 
during the time of Passover. And basically, Peter would be put in a holding pattern. He's going to go to prison. He's going to go to jail. He's going to go to the dungeon. He's going to be held captive there. But the Jews would not deal with them until after Passover. But this move so pleased Herod. Why? Again, let's go back to politically. The numbers had to grow. He was pleasing the people. And he saw that it pleased the Jews, the religious Jews. Let's get more votes out of this. Herod has Peter seized. All this in the time of Passover. All this in the time of Holy Week. And the holiest of feast days for the religious sect. If you have a King James that says Easter instead of unleavened bread, and that's a bad translation. In verse 4 now, and so when he had arrested him, speaking about Peter, he put him in prison, and he delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. I mean, was Peter... That notorious, we know that as a fisherman, he had to have been a burly man. He had to have been strong, had to have been aggressive. And then, you know, Peter spoke out many times. Peter's the one we'll see in heaven. He'll have a size 12 sandal in his mouth, I'm sure. Peter identifies with all of us, including myself. Peter was always getting into trouble. But once the Holy Spirit came, once Peter was committed to Christ, You could not hold him back. And so, listen to this. The soldiers that were placed over Peter. Peter was guarded by four relays of four soldiers. One squad for each of the night watch. And they were harassing him. (laughs) Now, generally, for one man... They would have one soldier and they would shackle him. You're going to see that Peter was shackled on both. Why why did they fear him? What was Peter about? Peter was about the gospel. Peter was about the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through him. That's why he was a threat to Herod. Because he was a threat to the religious sect in Judaism and the religious sect there in Judea because they were coming to Christ. Many of them were part of the Sanhedrin. And so this is frustrating them. And so Herod sees an opportunity. Hey, I can get some points here. Hey, I can get some votes here. I want to be politically correct here. And I see that's what's going on in our country today, church. I see that today. Why so much fear again? Why so much harshness, cruelty? Why is it so political? Why can't they leave Christianity alone? Why do they fear it? It's a good thing. But even some of you can understand. You've been harassed. Some of you have been badgered at work. I remember 30 plus years ago. They used to write my name in the urinal. I don't understand that. It didn't frustrate me. Even then, I didn't know I was called to ministry. They used to put in the urinal, Preacher Bob. I says, how could you guys go in there, use your marking pen, write it in the urinal, and then put it back in your pocket, and you know where pens eventually end up. (laughs) Okay, I don't have to go any further. Look at verse 5 now, and the caption of my Bible says, 
Peter is freed from prison. We're not going to get to that part when he goes to thank the, the prayer group. But he is going to be released. And I have to ask you, how did this take place? The hand of God. The hand of God. Now, I want you to be thinking before we get into the study now. How many times has God worked in your life and worked in my life? Mary and I can write a book on the last 36 years of, of being in Christ. The last 33 years being here in ministry of the things God has done. Unknowingly. Sometimes weeks later, sometimes months later, I go, thank you, Lord. I know what you were doing. He does things so simply. It doesn't have to be the handwriting in the wall. We'd probably faint. It doesn't have to be lightning bolts. It'd probably kill us. But God works very, very naturally. Watch this now. In verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison. But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Underline that word constant prayer. Prayer, uh, Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, pray without ceasing. There has to be that consciousness of prayer. There has to be that awareness of prayer. You have to see with the eyes of Christ when you see people in despair. And, and boy, you can look around you. You can go to your own families. You can go to your workplace. You can go to the gym where you hang out, uh, school, wherever you might be, the restaurant. Go to the Aggie game over here. And watch the people that are hurting. Watch the people there. Every now and then, I just like to go uh, to Messia. And I, I know there's a biker bar there. And I like to just go around that uh, cul-de-sac area here and, and just to pray. Because I, I know what they're doing in there. Those are the things that I did. And so look at verse 5 now. If you were here on Wednesday, we're just following off on this now. Our Wednesday study was on prayer. We spoke about the Old Testament. Hannah prayed hard. She prayed so hard. Uh, she was, uh, her vexation of spirit. And Eli, the high priest, assumed that she was drunk. I am not drunk with wine. But I am deepness of prayer. And then we spoke about the New Testament. Uh, Paul the Apostle writes to the church at Thessalonica. And in chapter 5 verse 17. Again that word. I love that word. Pray without ceasing. And now we see constant in prayer. Having this consciousness of prayer. The Old Testament. The Holy Spirit. Uh, the high priest that is. Would get a hold of the horns of the altar. And he would pray through. And the New Testament was the same in the sense of praying without stopping. Here in the early church, it's praying hard, praying through without ceasing. It takes faith. It takes faith. I have learned through the years uh, to see people and to kind of view people. It doesn't take much. You can see a hurting heart. You can see a husband and wife or a boyfriend, girlfriend situation, and they're at, at, at odds at each other. And sometimes words are said, and if you're in close range, you're not wanting to listen, but you can hear them. Many times I've gone up to somebody, a couple, and I've left my card. I say, I'm a pastor. I'd like to help. You know, I'm sorry, but I heard some of the words. Uh, give me a call. Every now and then. You'll get somebody that's asking. Because generally people are hurting. 
But I love that they were in constant prayer. Let me develop the word constant. The word constant is ektonos. Uh, it, it speaks of earnest in prayer. It comes from the Greek word ektens, uh, which means to stretch. The picture is someone stretching out all they can for something. And here it's prayer. Estenis is a medical term also uh, describing the stretching of a muscle uh, to its limits. Listen, Hannah did this in the Old Testament. Paul is speaking of that type of prayer in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. There's many prayers uh, in the Old Testament and many prayers in the New Testament. But stretching it out, I think sometimes we give up uh, too early. Here's the key. In Hannah's case, and we spoke about this on Wednesday, she meant business with God. She meant business with God. She couldn't have a child. And for a Hebrew mom not to have a child. And remember her uh, other counterpart is Penena. And Penena was badgering her. I have children, you have nothing. I've often teased Penena was a, a baby machine. Kids were coming out constantly. And Hannah couldn't have children. Lord, give me a child lest I die. The problem was, and it wasn't a problem, but God wanted that first child. It was Samuel. Samuel, the first prophet of Israel. And imagine, moms, she finally has children. She's going to have other children. But she takes that child back to the temple. And there he is weaned. And there God prepares him. Have you asked God for the salvation of your children? Have you asked God for the salvation of your spouse, be it a husband or a wife? And then in the prayer, say, Lord, save them and use them for your glory. Our pastor back home, he was a, a tyrant. And his wife prayed for his salvation for years. But she'll admit to you, she prayed that God would save him. And so he could sit with her at church. Lord, save them and use them. Lord, save them and use them. It's not about sitting next to you, but use them for the kingdom of God, for your glory. And so here's this prayer group. We don't know how big. I, I can say it wasn't that big, but they meant business with God in prayer. They were in constant prayer and they're praying for Peter. Look at verse 6 now. And when Herod was about to bring him out, speaking of Peter, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two, cho two chains now between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keep keeping the prison. You have to love Peter at this time. He has come a long way in his walk with God, his salvation with the Lord, his faith and trust in God. This does not come easy. It comes by maturity in Christ. And remember back in the gospel of John chapter 13, Peter denies the Lord three times and then the rooster crowed as God said it would. Now he sleeps. Listen to this. In the midst of his personal trial, he is ready to die for Jesus. And he will die later. But not now. Notice he's bound in chains between two soldiers now. Peter sleeps besides that. There were other guards watching Peter, yet he's asleep. Listen, when you're resting in Christ, 
nothing affects you. When you're in the joy of the Lord in the midst of your trials. I've been through my trials. You've been through your trials. And there's just something about knowing Christ. Lord, you're in charge. I'm going to leave it in your hands, Lord. It doesn't look good, but I'm going to leave it in your hands. Listen, we went through that back home. Back home when my dad was so sick. Then we went through that also when my, with my wife when her dad was so sick. And, and they both eventually went home to be with the Lord. And, and, you know, I don't know if I was ready than my mom's a couple of years later. And, you know, my mom encouraged me so much. She goes, mijo, don't worry about me. I'm going to go be with Jesus. And so we let go. And, and right now, my brother-in-law, Ray, that's in uh, Calvary Chapel, Rio Grande Valley, I spoke with him yesterday. I was with him all afternoon. His dad, Michael, is dying. But that man has come to the Lord. If you've been to that church, he built that church for them. He is a gifted craftsman. He's ready to go home uh, to be with the Lord. One commentary said about verse 6, uh, when every other gate is shut and locked, the gates to heaven is wide open. We must take advantage of that open gate. How? Through prayer. Through prayer. Peter was resting in the Lord. I'm going to give you two verses here. In Psalm 127, in verse 2, it is vain for you to rise up early, uh, to sit up late, and, and to eat the bread of sorrows. The word sorrows there is you're, you're staying up at night thinking about well, what are you going to have tomorrow? What are you going to do tomorrow? And so I'm talking about worry. We, we worry about everything. We fret about everything. And so we understand in Psalm 37, verse 1, it speaks about letting go. Fret not. He says, fret not. Of what evildoers can do to you. We have to trust in the Lord. In Proverbs 24, verse 19, exactly the same thing. Fret not. Why do we worry? Why do we lose sleep? Every now and then, and, and some of you have called, some of you have texted, Pastor Bob, I'm having a hard time, you know, sleeping. I just wake up in the middle of the night, then I can't go back to sleep. God's waking you up for a reason. Pray. 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 Listen, there was a time when I could pray. I could, I could sleep 10 hours. Not a problem. I can't do it anymore. I said, Lord, I need more than four hours. Come on. God has a purpose in everything. And if you are struggling, get into the Psalms. Just get into the Psalms. You watch and see how the Psalms will soothe your spirit. You'll read in the Psalms how David struggled and how he came out of the struggle. David was a man after God's own heart, but David was a man with bloodied hands. David was a man that committed adultery. David was a man that killed. Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, to cover his sin. And yet God said, he was a man after my own heart. What about Abraham? Look at the, the things Abraham did. The disobedience that he did, even against Sarah. And God said that Abraham was his friend. Oh, I like that. I don't care who you are. God forgives us, each and every one of us. Uh, Peter is resting in the Lord.
Look at verse 7 now. Uh, Behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him. This is by Peter now. And a light shone in, in the prison. And I like this. And he struck Peter on the side and he raised him up saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off of his hand. Peter has to be hit on the side. Now, I don't want you to look at the word struck as we would understand it. Peter was held by double chains, two soldiers uh, instead of one. The angel struck him on the side. Uh, Patasso in the Greek, it means to knock gently. I like that because uh, I'm thinking he smacked them, you know. He nudged them. He nudged them. And he woke him up out of a deep sleep of rest. Peter's awake now. Arise quickly. Notice that the chains fell off. The chains fell off. Uh, another interesting fact. The men that Peter was chained to, they don't even wake up. God puts them to sleep. Now Peter's going to think he's in a vision. This happened, and trust me, as I share these notes now, this happened to Peter only by divine power. No chance this happened by man or by happenstance. Or isn't this a coincidence? How many times I hear that? Notice it was done without arousing any of the guards. I like how God works in the simplicity to deliver one from uh, danger or to rescue Peter. Now, this happens other times in Acts chapter 16. We'll get to it later. Paul and Silas are in the Philippian jail. Uh, they are praying and singing hymns to the Lord. When suddenly an earthquake comes, the foundations uh, of the prison there, the doors were open. It's the shaking that's going on. The chains fell off of Paul and Silas. The prison doors were open. Now watch this. And the jailer assumed that everybody has escaped. And he's about to take his own life because he knows he's going to have to pay for the losing of prisoners. And Peter cries out to him, or excuse me, Paul cries out to him. And he says, do not harm yourself. We are still here. The jailer responds, what must I do to be saved? Isn't that amazing? And Peter, excuse me, Paul again, Paul takes, or Paul and Silas go home with this jailer, and he feeds them. The other guards are still asleep. And then he says that his household was saved. What must I do to be saved? Those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so this morning, if you still haven't come to Christ, what are you waiting for? Today is the day of your salvation. Dad, if you haven't come to Christ, what about your family? How can they come if they don't see the lead in your part? Somebody has to take the initiative. Well, I like the message that Pastor Bob brings, and I like Calvary Chapel. I like coming to church. I listen to the radio, whatever it might be. I get CDs, but have you come to Christ? Have you come to Christ? Are you born again of the Holy Spirit? Here's this jailer. 
Not only he is saved, but the whole household comes to salvation. Look at verse 8 now. Then the angel said to him, speaking about Peter, gird yourself, tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garments and follow me. Imagine an angel talking to you. Notice after the chains fall off miraculously, the hand of God, and the angel simply says, get dressed, Peter, come on. Get your tennis shoes on. Let's go, Peter. Grab your jacket. I love this. Peter obeys the angel. Why is this verse so important here? Because the next verse, Peter thinks he's in a vision. Peter thinks he's in a dream. Peter thinks he's seen a mirage or something. Peter thinks he's back in Acts chapter 10 when God spoke to him with a great white sheet. And so look at verse 9 now. So he went out and he followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real. You know, sometimes things happen again in my life and in your life. We don't see the hand of God. I have a problem in the other way. I, I, I almost see everything with the hand of God. God did this. God did that. And if I told everybody, they'd freak out. They'd go, Pastor Bob's lost it. But the hand of God governs us. How many times you've been lost? And husbands, you know what I'm saying. You're not obeying your wife. She says, go ask, uh, you know, that's, this was before GPS. Uh, go ask the, you know, gas station attendant. Oh, I know where I'm going. 50 miles later, I better go see a, a gas attendant, you know. I like to listen to my wife. <laughs> She's generally right. And I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking in her and through her. And so, Peter thinks he's in a vision. Notice the bottom of verse 9. He says, but thought he was seeing a vision. Peter's thinking vision, dream, mirage. Uh, something other than the reality. Why? Was he lacking in faith? I don't think so. Was he lacking in trust? Or is it just human nature? I think it's just human nature. Because back in Acts chapter 10, I think Peter relates back. God gave Peter a vision on the rooftop, a great sheet. Peter didn't want to eat the things of uh, the house of Cornelius. Peter didn't want to go to Cornelius' house because he was a Gentile. I'd never been into a Gentile home. And so in this great sheet, Peter, what I have cleansed, call not common. And it was not necessarily the foods. The foods were there. But it was the Gentiles. The Gentiles. And that's where you and I come in. Uh, even this morning, God has poured out His Spirit on the Gentiles. And, and the same power of the Spirit that fell in Acts chapter 2, it also fell in Acts chapter 10. This time, at a Gentile home. Cornelius' house. Let's look at verse 10 now. When they were past the first and the second gate, Peter's following uh, the angel, the second guard post, uh, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord, and they went out and they went down one street. And immediately, listen to this now, the angel departed from him. Okay, Peter, I brought you far enough. You should know the rest of the way. <laughs> But he's being led by the angel of the Lord. You know that God wants to lead us 
first of all, by the power of God's Holy Spirit. But God will also send you angels, unaware, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews. I don't do it as often anymore because I'm getting older. But I used to pick up strays constantly. I would pick up anybody that was hitchhiking because I wanted to witness to them. And boy, we had some great conversations. And sometimes I would lose a meal because I had a hamburger there that was intended for me. And then I go, are you hungry? And I say, Lord, please make them say no, no, no. <laughs> oh, man, I haven't had nothing to eat in two days. Boom, boom. Uh, two cheeseburgers? At least give me one, man. Come on. Sometimes you entertain angels, listen, unawares. Always look for feathers. That's one of the things I think of. But Peter is just following a natural lead. When they were past all the various stations, I have to share this. Peter's being led simply. Uh, there's no fanfare involved. Peter didn't see any bright lights. He didn't hear any thunderclaps. He didn't hear or, or sense or feel an earthquake like Paul and Silas. There was no lightnings. There was no voice from heaven. God was working. I put this down in my footnotes. Many times God works in your life through the day. Many times God works in your lives through the week. Many times it's through the year. And for Mary and I here in the ministry... It's been the last 33 years. God works simply. God works simply. You have to be in tune with what the Holy Spirit is doing. And I'll tell you, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. This is Peter now. But what's the key? Peter's part of all the answered prayer. The consistency and the constancy. I mean, they prayed without ceasing. They got a hold of the hem of, of the garment of Christ. They got a hold of the horns of the altar in the Old Testament. They prayed through. Lord, I need an answer. Here's a good question about verse 10. Could this happen in our day? Why not? The Bible says that in Hebrews 13:8, Jesus is the same yesterday, uh, today, and forever. What have we been praying for? We're all aware of what's going on with Pastor Saeed. He's still in an Iranian prison. What about two pastors now uh, that are Presbyterians being uh, imprisoned there in the Sudan? Uh, Pastor Yat Michael Root and the other one is Pastor Peter Yen Rith being held in the Sudan. They are uh, from the south of Sudan, but they visited the Islamic portion of the Sudan. Arrested for sharing their faith. What was Saeed arrested for? <laughs> orphanages. He was on his third orphanage. And, and the orphanages were for the children. Because the Iranians were not taking care of them. And he got frustrated. They arrested him. They arrested him. Peter's released from prison. Paul and Silas were released from prison. I believe we need to pray. Pastor Saeed could easily be released from prison. Mark this verse down in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. 
the scripture says nothing is impossible with God. It's our lack of faith. It's our simplicity of faith that needs to believe by faith. Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I know you're going to do something. And I pray and I seek God. And you wait upon the Lord. Look at verse 11 now. And when Peter had come to himself, I like this. He knows it's not a vision now. He said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from the expectation of the Jewish people. I believe, and listen to me, please. I believe if the church is going to suffer today in our 21st century. Now listen to what I mean. I know that there's suffering in third world countries today. But what about the Western countries? What about the Western mind? Are we ready for true persecution? Because I can honestly tell you, I don't really know suffering. Don't get me wrong, people are suffering, but not like the Middle Eastern church. We have cancer here at the ministry. We have people that lose jobs. We have broken marriages. We have people like my brother-in-law, his, his dad is dying. So we have our trials. But I've never been persecuted. I've never been arrested. Oh, I might get a little harassed here and there. I might receive a, a note or a letter or a text or, or something of that nature. But what is persecution? When Pastor Saeed and these two other pastors are released, maybe we will know. Listen to this. You need to memorize this. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord. With all your heart, lean not upon your own understandings, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he's going to bring it to pass. The problem is I try to figure it out. The problem is I'll try to make a solution for God. The problem is Bob doesn't know how to let go. I would have been one of those prayer warriors there praying for Peter, and then after the meeting, you know, take him a little saw blade or something. Trust in the Lord. How? With all your heart. Not a half heart, but with all your heart. Listen. I know you've seen a lot of things in the news in recent weeks. It's not about the Iranian nuclear deal. It's not about John Kerry. It's not about what our president did or did not do. It's not about ISIS. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I hope and pray that persecution does not come to the Western country. But in a sense, it's already here. The shootings that are going on. Listen, I've warned before and I'm going to warn again. I'd like to, Mary and I will go see a movie that's decent. And usually here in Cruces, we'll go during the week. And, and you know, maybe there's 20 people. And I say, Lord, I can't bring my weapon in here. But people can. And people do. And they just start shooting. 
We have to be concerned here. We always got people in the back. Keep an eye. Because people come in and we don't know their agenda. I hope and pray they come to, to find Christ. But many times, Jesus said, he warned us, he said, hey, be gentle as a dove, but wise as a serpent. Wise as a serpent. Let's finish it off here. In verse 12, King Herod has been persecuting the church. We're looking at part one. We're going to close it now. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary. This is Peter now. The mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Praying. Constant of prayer. Awareness of prayer. Prayer without ceasing. Meaning business with God. The power of prayer. Persecution was evident. The church was at the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark. Later, he writes the gospel of, of Mark. The prayer meeting of faith. The prayer meeting of trust. The prayer meeting of hope in Christ. Prayer is awesome. They believe by faith. Faith that can move mountain. Jesus said, have mustard seed faith. In another passage, he says, have childlike faith. God is still in the throne and prayer changes things. Do you believe this? I do. The power of prayer. They did in the early church. This was a small prayer group. I venture to say if they were 25, 35 people, that was a lot. We have prayer here every Friday. We've had it for years. We meet at 10 o'clock in the morning. And I'm going to be honest with you. There's just a handful. I know most people are working. But there's also another contingent of people that are going to easily come. And sometimes uh, people get frustrated. Pastor Bob, where's the others? I go, Jesus said where two or three are gathered in my name, there I'd be in the midst. You want to change things? You can go pick it. You want to change things? You can write letters. You want to change things? You can protest. And I'm not against any of that. I've done it. But I want to tell you something. Get on our knees. Get on our face before God. And we're going to see changes. We're going to see changes. Lord, hear my cries. Lord, I'm not leaving till you hear my cries. Lord, you see what I'm going through. Lord, you see how they're harassing me at work. Lord, do you see what I'm going through at school? Whatever it might be, God is there. Trust him. Years ago, there was a beautiful lady from Calvary Chapel in Albuquerque. And she came down to visit our church a couple of times. Anyway, the Lord had put it in her heart, a ministry to Tibet. And she went to Tibet when nobody was going. And she was... This nurse, she was about five foot one, slender, slender built. And when she put the garb on of the Tibetans, she looked like them. And she went on her own. And so we helped her with finances. Other churches helped her. And she went. She went several times. And she shared stories how the Holy Spirit led her. Go down this street, 
stop. She would sense it, make a right, make a left, just like a GPS. But it was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. One time she came back and they noticed that she had left her room. They were always watching her in her motel. And they said, don't leave by yourself. There are wild dogs out there. She said she would see the dogs and they would go the other way. <laughs> Remember Daniel and the lions then? And the guys say, ah, oh, the lions weren't hungry. Oh, yeah. What happened when the other guys went in? Never hit the ground. Some people say they didn't like kosher food. I don't think so. <laughs> anyway, let's all stand. We'll end with a word of prayer. Uh, Father, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We stand in awe of your promises, of your holiness. Uh, Lord, the power of prayer. How desperately we need that. How simply you worked in Peter's life. You heard uh, the consistency of the prayer group. Lord, you released Peter. You released him. It was you. Peter even thought it was a dream, Lord. And Father, the jailer that we spoke of in the time of Paul and Silas. And the jailer saw the miracle and the power of God. What must I do to be saved? And so this morning as we conclude, if there's anybody here this morning, you still haven't given your life to Christ, please don't be embarrassed. Today is a day of your salvation. I'm not going to ask you to come up, but right there where you're at, if you'd like to receive Christ real quick, raise your hand. Raise your hand. And I'll say a simple prayer of faith with you. Anybody here this morning would like to receive Christ. Don't leave here without Jesus. It's not about joining Calvary Chapel. It's not about pleasing Pastor Bob. It's about coming to Christ. Anybody before we end? Then let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the body of Christ here at Calvary Chapel. Thank you, Lord, for those that will be listen, listening to the CDs later. Thank you, Lord, eventually when it gets on the radio program, that you would bless it, that you would anoint it. Lord, some of us are lacking the power of God's spirit that was spoken of in the book of Acts chapter 2, and then at Cornelius' house in the book of Acts chapter 10. If we're lacking that power, that dunamis power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, we ask that that spirit would come upon us afresh and anew now. Lord, bless the offerings this morning as you've given to us. Uh, we give back a portion, and it's in Jesus' name uh, we pray. Amen.